Support for Talking Heart on WVIK comes from the people at Quad City Bank and Trust, helping the local community with their banking and financial needs for more than 20 years. Information is at qcbt.com. This is Carolyn Martin, and I'm talking art today with Philip Labor, an artist now living in the Quad Cities, whose solo exhibition, Dialogues Within, is on view at the Boruskin Gallery and Art Academy in Bettendorf. Hello, Philip. Hi, how are you, Carolyn? Well, I'm great. Thank you. And and this is really a, a bold collection of work that you've created. It's it's visually arresting and very vividly colored. But I'm curious about the title of your show, Dialogues Within. What type or types of dialogue are you referring to? Well, I have to give credit for the title to Pat Boruskin. Uh, when she first mentioned it to me, I, I I wasn't certain, and then I began to think about it, and I went, "Oh, that is, you know, it's really a perfect title," um, because there are so many different levels or layers of dialogues that I started to identify. Um, you know, the first level is between the subjects that are within the painting, um, and I draw these subjects from lots of different sources, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, but you know that kind of internal dialogue is certainly there. And then because of uh, the sources, lots of times there's also a cultural or a social dialogue that you know one could read into and, and entertain. And then from the artistic point of view, there's lots of visual dialogues. You mentioned the color, there's energy, forces, dynamics, space, you know, and all that sort of stuff that intrigues me um, a great deal. And then further on, um, personal connections. So when I start looking at the work, you know, I begin to understand and see um, events, places, times, those sorts of things that communicate together and with us. And then finally, um, the level that comes from the viewer's point of view. So a dialogue that the viewer brings to, I mean, they, viewers always bring external information to a work of art and interject it, um, rightly so, because it's their experience, um, and then make interpretations from what they see. So, you know, I, when she said that, I thought, wow, this is really perfect. And it actually, I think, gave me a little bit more insight into um, what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Well, art often is a catalyst for very meaningful conversations, isn't it? And your paintings are very complex. How would you describe the subject matter to, for the listener? Well, they're complex with color relationships. They're complex um, with layers. Uh, when I do my sketches, oftentimes um, that's only the initial uh, uh, impetus for the work. Uh, the my, my work takes sometimes a month or two months for me to be happy with. Uh, and I work back and forth from one piece to another. And so there's lots of injections of different kinds of material, color, uh, space, uh, subjects. And, and, um, and then I think the most important thing that uh, contributes to the, to that is uh, the dynamic 
of line and shape and color. Uh, when it comes right down to it, I think the thing that I enjoy the most about painting is color. And it's, you know, everything else is just an excuse to use color. Well, the colors just jump out. And that was the first thing that registered in my brain, I believe. It, they're they're beautiful. And and the forms that you create, they they do vary from painting to painting. And within a painting, too, you'll have very defined figures and then more abstract elements. And and one thing I thought was interesting is that the human forms are often more abstract and less defined. They're they're not necessarily the central part of the story. Yeah, I think you're right. Um with a, a few circumstances, I've always used the figure. Um but I I don't think of the figure in a classical sense, you know, where it is predominant. Um, or even the most important thing, you know, the figure or types of figures that are in my work are suggestions uh, more than presentations and suggestions that could lead to uh, other kinds of of content, other kinds of meaning within the work. So the viewer can form their own interpretation then? Absolutely. And I would hope that they would would do that. Um, I learn a lot when I uh, can have conversations with the viewers and, and get some ideas of, of what my forms are suggesting in their mind. Is there a particular piece in this show you'd like to describe? Um, well, one that has more figuration than some of the others is one that I called Known Plus. Um, this piece is a larger one it's five feet tall this painting has a uh, an energetic horse that seems to be leaping in from the left hand side of the painting it takes up about uh, not quite a third of that space it has a very large uh, bust in the lower right hand corner that was sourced from uh, a small broken greek work that I saw in Mycenae. Uh, and then it has some more abstract figures in the back, uh, a bird-like form, even though it's not representing any specific bird and different kinds of shapes. And, um, you know, I, I think this one also probably comes closest to representing some of the angst, you know, that we all have felt during the uh, onset of this COVID epidemic that, that we all are experiencing. So the colors, uh, very intense reds, uh, the, uh, the complements of the greens, these things do all really create a lot of forces that, that uh, are engaging and I hopeful, I hope I'm hopeful not too overpowering. Mm-hmm. Explain the title a bit because it's, it's derived from the Spanish non plus. Yeah, um, the king, the king of Spain, uh, during the period of of discovery, uh, as the rest of the Christian world was pretty well convinced that the the world was flat, and uh, so the king came up with a, a a phrase that was on a monument that I visited in Cadiz, Spain, and it. 
it said non plus ultra, which means there's nothing else out there. I mean, you look out to sea, you see the horizon, that's it, you know. And if you go too far, you'll fall off. And then when, you know, the ships went out and discovered the Americas and came back with all these tall stories, all of a sudden uh, the world changed and there was something else out there. And so they just dropped the, the negative, the known, and the phrase now became plus ultra. There's more out there. Uh, I turned that around. Uh, with the known plus, um, I I was thinking, you know, this is kind of how we feel at times. Uh, certainly with epidemics, the first time we've experienced one of those in our lives as worldwide and as disastrous as it's been. Um, but, uh, you know, also just, just the, uh, the changes that occur because of events that sometimes we're out of control of. And so this painting, I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like it's totally a negative um, uh, idea, but it's one that kind of expresses some of some of those feelings and and uh, challenges that I was having at that time, and uh, tr and have since I think tried to turn that around and put a little bit more positive spin on it. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't see it as a negative at all. It's actually my favorite piece. And there's so much energy besides the color. The horse on the left is the first thing that you see. And then you have this image almost of a medieval Spanish soldier, perhaps, at the top. We just see part of him. And so that's that reference to this era in time centuries ago when we didn't understand something that seems so basic today that the world is round. But it's a very layered work. And that's why I think it really spoke to me. So much of your inspiration has derived from your world travels. You mentioned you were in Spain when you saw this uh, statue, I believe it was, where that inscription was written. But you're originally from Iowa. How did the ability to, to widely travel affect your art and your subject matter in particular? Um, it's, it's huge. It's, it's uh, uh, something that, that I, you know, I wouldn't be who I am without travel. Um, travel tells you so much, not only about other places, but I think it reveals so much more about, about who you are personally and about your own culture at home. Um, I'll never forget the time that I was in Rome and it was early on in my travels. I hadn't, I hadn't been abroad too many times. Uh, and I was walking down the street and I happened to look and see my own reflection in the window and my first thought was who is that German and I had never in my life ever thought of, of myself as being German I am I am German Scottish ancestry um, but being away was uh, just enough to you know push you out of your zone so that you could see things differently uh, my travel I, I grew up in Southwest Iowa and, and uh, you know, went to exotic places like the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. That was about it. Uh, and going to college really opened my eyes because I began to uh, understand the world through art history. And, 
you know, you're, that includes religion and, and so many other things, not just art. Um, and my first travel experience was when I was a senior in undergraduate school. I, I went to uh, Europe for six weeks and traveled with uh, uh, an academic group out of uh, Illinois. And uh, I told myself, I'm going to do this. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to let my passport expire. I'm going to go again before. Well, those are 10-year periods, and it didn't happen. And it wasn't until I was teaching art history myself and I began to realize how virtual it is and how, how um, abstract it is. If you've never traveled and you've never been to uh, some of the sites that we were studying and having seen in person the artwork that we, we were studying. So I started an international study program, and that, that um, bloomed into lots of opportunities, not only for my students, but for me, and I've been traveling ever since. It's, I would recommend that everybody do it at least once. Well, I think following that recommendation of yours to not let your passport expire, that's, <laughs> that's a good one. I read on your, on your website or your artist statement, perhaps, that that you really had have experienced quite a bit of joy in discovering the interconnectedness to ancient cultures and, and that you've searched uh, for similarities in experience over time, something that's similar now and that's, that's similar now to what somebody perhaps would have felt or would have um, experienced hundreds of years ago. Yeah, exactly. Thousands of years ago, or, you know, even into, you know, prehistoric times. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in, I, I was fortunate to be in a non-commercialized, you know, preserved um, prehistoric cave to see uh, bulls, paintings of animals on the walls. And uh, it changed everything I thought about prehistoric art. I mean, and it even enlightened me that textbooks are oftentimes just copies of what somebody else has said and, and then repeated again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, the travel experience made, made me understand that artwork and those our ancestors in a totally different way. Uh, and uh, I would say such is the case uh, when you go to ruins in in Greece or or uh, Italy, and uh, what you see is just the foundations left behind, but when you start to search deeper, um, suddenly you realize that I think the real difference between us and them is largely technology. You know, over all this period of time, we've been able to technologically create these huge advances, whereas sometimes I'm not sure that uh, as human beings, we've changed a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Well, we certainly have the same needs and wants. That that exactly. seems to be something that never changes. Yeah. Well, the works in this current show, which are so beautiful at the Baruskin Gallery, were painted in acrylic. What what do you enjoy about working with acrylic and why did you choose that medium specifically for this project? 
Now, acrylic paint as a resin is not 100% safe. Nothing in art is safe. Uh, but I, I, I went to that so that I could, I could use um, the medium with security, you know, and not have to have a really great ventilation system to protect my brain from fumes that I've inhaled all those decades. And, um, and then I also like the immediacy of it. The fact that, you know, I can uh, put down a color and, and, and that unless I've used some sort of retarder to slow the drying process, it's, it's dries quickly. And I, and I think that that kind of contributes to the layering sense that you might recognize in the work too, mm -hmm. because there's lots and lots of layers of paint on top of each other. And sometimes the last, the last color dominates, but other times that, you know, there's a translucence or transparency that allows you to, you know, to see the other colors mixing and mingling underneath. And again, that's, that's part of that dynamic that I was talking about. Can you take us briefly through the, through the process of, of creation? Because the majority of these were you, you made recently between 2019 and, and 22 and, and you were inspired by, by what you saw when you were away, but how did you take those images, what you saw and the ideas you had and bring them home and start creating these pieces? You know, when I travel, I'm constantly documenting. Um, I either sketch and, you know, I carry a relatively small sketchbook with pencils. And, uh, uh, and if I have time, I will sketch. If I don't, I will document through photographs. You know, I'm, I have a, another life as a photographer, uh, but I, I, don't, I don't take photographs as if I'm trying to create a fine art work. I mean, it's just a snapshot so that I can document something and then reference it later. So that's where the imaginative part comes into it. And it starts to take a life of its own and, and uh, figures move around. They might be there for a moment and then they're gone. Something else has replaced it and they've moved someplace else. So it's, a, it, you know, when I work, it's, it's real fluid. It's real flexible. Uh, kind of the same attitude, I think, that you have to have when you travel. You, know, you can't go with expectations that things are going to be a certain way and you're going to have a certain kind of fun. And you kind of have to open yourself up to the experience and, and uh, absorb it as it comes to you. Well, let's talk about your background for a bit. You, you've mentioned that you were born in Southwest Iowa and, and that you'd had a background in, in, in both drawing and photography, which you do. You obtained your MFA from the University of Iowa in drawing and photography, but I found this interesting. Prior to your MFA, you initially worked as a medical photographer at Creighton University in Omaha. And what was that experience like? It was a fantastic opportunity. And I learned so much, not only about photography, but um, about public relations and about education and medical field. And and I did so many jobs that were uh, intr so intriguing, you know, from photographing uh, patients with, usually it was with pretty strange or unique um, situations, illnesses. So it was fantastic. But the one thing um, that I missed, and, I, and after 
you know, about 18 months, I, I began to realize how, how much I missed it was being engaged in creative ideas uh, relative to, to contemporary art. Mm-hmm. And so and, you, you moved yeah. on. It sounds like you taught art and art history at Northwest Missouri state for, for decades for around 40 I years. Mm-hmm. I did. I'm one of those that, uh, got a job and stuck with it through the whole career, which I, you know, it's not very common these days. And you retired in 2016 and now live just outside the Quad Cities in Long Grove, Iowa. Yeah. Wow. It's it's utopia. I mean, it's it's, <laughs> it's fantastic. We have a, a little neighborhood where the houses are separated quite a ways from each other. And we've got 100 to 300 year old oaks that stand and it's it's called Long Grove for a good reason. There, there are a lot of trees here. <laughs> well, it sounds uh, we, as if, it sounds as if your retirement has been very productive and creative. And and how important has it been to you to have the time and space now to work on your on your own art? Now that now that you've separated yourself from your academic life, it is great. But I tell you that um, time is still a premium. Hey, we are still really busy and. You know, and, and to be a productive artist, you just like when I was working, you have to make time for it. You've got to make it happen. It, 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 you know, it's not going to work by itself. Well, Philip Labor, thank you so much for talking today. And congratulations on the recent opening of your solo show. Well, thank you very much, Carolyn. I appreciate it. I enjoyed our chat a great deal. Paintings by the artist Philip Labor are on display at the Boreskin Gallery and Art Academy through the end of April. You can also meet Phil in person at the opening reception this Friday, March 4th, from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. The Boreskin Art Gallery is located at 2967 State Street in Bettendorf. This has been Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities for WVIK. Our theme music is provided by a Quad City legend, the late Ellis Cal.